Dr. Debbie here, and just a quick announcement before we get to today's episode. Has someone shattered your trust? Have you been blindsided by betrayal? It's a total shock to the body and mind. Some of us recover, and many others stay sick, bitter, angry, resentful, and stuck. If that's you, I have a research-based solution. My new book, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence and Happiness is now available. In the book, I literally walk you through the five stages of betrayal all the way to transformation with all kinds of examples, stories, and activities so you heal as you're moving through the book. I've also shared my very personal story along with those who participated in my PhD study so you can see how others move through their experiences too. Of course, I'm also teaching you my four-part trust rebuilding process so you can learn to feel safe again, love again, trust again. So here's what you do. Go to the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. That's thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. Why? Because there's a link on that page that'll take you to Amazon, but I want you to know about it because once you get the book, come back to that page, enter your receipt, and then you get some amazing bonus gifts. Can't wait to share the book with you. And if you have friends or a group who'd benefit, get it for them too, because I'm giving tickets to a very special workshop for anyone who purchases more than five copies. ThePBTInstitute.com forward slash trust again. Okay, now on to today's episode. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Trisha Nelson. Trisha lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. Trisha has spent over 30 years researching the hidden causes of the addictive personality. Trisha is an emotional eating expert and author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. She also certifies health coach so they can get better results, referrals, and revenue by helping their clients overcome emotional eating. Trisha is the host of the popular podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show, and is a highly regarded speaker. Trisha has been featured on NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox, and Discovery Health. If you're an emotional eater, you're going to love this episode. I'm having a conversation with my friend, Trisha Nelson, who is the expert at helping you understand and heal from emotional eating. I was an emotional eater years ago myself, so I completely understand the struggle and the freedom when you learn how to create a healthy relationship with food. Grab a pen and a piece of paper for this one. Here's Trisha. Okay, everybody, you're in for such a treat today because I have my friend Trisha Nelson with us. If you're struggling with eating in any kind of way, emotional eating, anything, anything, we have the the world's leading expert in it who's going to share her insight and wisdom with us. So welcome, Trisha. Thanks for having me, Debbie. Great to be here. Uh, Thank you. So just so everybody understands... Uh, where we're going with this. Let's just start with your journey so they know more about you and and why you're doing the work that you do. You bet. Um, I was an emotional eater, I think, from the get-go. You know, I was, uh, I just loved food from a very early age. Food was like the big highlight for me. So I loved to eat. I loved to cook. I loved to 
serve food to others. I love to go out to dinner. I mean, it was just like my number one place of joy, you know? And, um, and so I didn't think of it as a problem until I started gaining weight and I did start gaining weight and I hated being overweight. I had a roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up in my hands and I'd want to cut it off. You know how you would cut this like fat off the side of a steak or, you know, I would think, Oh, maybe I'll join the army. <laughs> like I tried so many different things. So I thought I'll go join the army and they'll force me to go through boot camp because I hated the exercise or, um, I thought, well, maybe I, you know, I mean, these crazy thoughts, like maybe I'll get a disease and automatically lose weight. So I don't have to diet anymore, you know, cause I was so tired of dieting. So I had all these crazy thoughts because really I was out of control and I couldn't control my weight. No matter what diet I went on, I always gained the weight back. Um, I, you know, exercising was a problem because I was a binger. And so I would, over, I would overeat and I couldn't exercise all the food that I'd eaten. You know, I couldn't exercise it away. And so I was really in this battle and, um, and it caused me a lot of, you know, it, it, it definitely affected my self-confidence. Um, it made me feel bad about myself. I felt like I had a secret because my, my eating, you know, I would overeat, not in public with other people. I do it alone. So I kind of had this shameful secret that I, I felt embarrassed about. And so, you know, after trying many different diets and exercise programs and um, self-help books and, you know, all kinds of programs, I realized that my problem was not, you know, really what I thought it was. Like it went deeper. And thankfully I met somebody who was able to show me how to dig in and deal with the underlying causes. And um, that's really where I was able to get the help because I stopped focusing on food and diet and weight loss and started dealing with my emotions. And that's when I was able to finally really get a hold of, you know, get a grip on my weight. And I lost 50 pounds and I've thankfully kept it off for several decades now. And because I found a very clear cut system for overcoming emotional eating, I wanted to share that with other people. And that's what I do with Heal Your Hunger. And I've been doing this work for decades now of helping people overcome emotional eating so they can feel good and stop that battle that is so humiliating and shameful. You know, when you've been doing it over and over and over again, it's like enough already. So, you know, people can get off of that track and start really feeling better about themselves from the inside out. And, you know, and it's exhausting too. Now, I grew up as an emotional eater. I don't know if we ever spoke about this. No. But I remember growing up and, and eating when you're happy, you're sad, you're bored, you're tired, any of yeah. it. And, and I, everyone in my family was, was overweight. And I always saw just the frustration and the pain, but I didn't know a way out of it. It was so familiar and it was just what I had always done. And like you, then it led to, I, I was exercising and I remember there was a time I was running, this is when I was a runner, seven miles a day and I was gaining weight. And I was like, how much oh are God. you eating if you're running seven miles a day and gaining weight? And I said, <laughs> oh, I really need to get a, get a handle on this. And, and for me, what it was, was I was back in school for my master's at the time and I used to study while I was eating dry cereal boxes and oh, yeah. boxes and boxes and and it was but i was exhausted and that up and down the high the crash the high the crash was so exhausting so you know i brought you on the show because it's so common for someone experiencing betrayal in the very beginning they just can't even hold food down they can't even think of eating but what i notice is once they're surviving their experience they use food very often as a way to soothe, calm, numb, relax from the pain. 
and food is like the drug of choice. So I see it so often. So speak to that person, man or woman, because we have both in our community, who is so hurt and, and dealing with so many painful emotions and they're using food to cope. I think food is the easiest thing to use. I mean, it's right there. You know, you can wander into the kitchen anytime. I used to be one of those people who opened the refrigerator like 10 times a day, like wondering what was in there that would satisfy me and nothing would because you know that that what I was hungry for was much deeper and so people do comfort eat especially now that we have a pandemic you know people left and right who would never think of themselves as emotional eaters are all of a sudden saying to me like wow I'm an emotional eater too and you know what I find Debbie is that really I think we all are like I think we're hardwired to get comfort from food and that's not a bad thing it's just when you do it and it starts having negative consequences. So I really consider it to be like a spectrum, you know, of emotionally eating being, you know, on the low end and food addiction on the high end. And not everybody goes that to that extreme. I did, you know, like I, I could sit and pack away 3000 calories in a sitting, you know, in a night in front of the TV, Doritos and ice cream and cookies and Hershey's kisses. Mm -hmm. um, but not everybody goes to that extreme, but it, you don't have to in order for it to make you feel bad, you know, and you don't have to be overweight for in order to feel like, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm not doing good things to my body and I feel crappy. And, you know, emotional eating is burying your feelings with food. You know, you're literally stuffing down the grief. You're stuffing down the grief, you're stuffing down the anger, you're stuffing down the pain, you know, because you want to numb out. And what I tell people is that um, there's really uh, three primary drivers of emotional eating. And uh, I mean, there's a whole lot of life situations, but in terms of the top three emotions, I, I, I help people identify those emotions through... Um, something I call the PEP test and PEP is an acronym and the P stands for punishment. So we use, I'm sorry, not punishment, painkiller. So we mm. use food as a painkiller when we're feeling emotional pain, you know, and we, mm. and we just, we want to anesthetize and that's why we tend to uh, turn to foods that are carb rich, sugary, fatty foods, cause they're heavy and they do sedate our pain, like they sedate us and they kill the pain. And so it works, you know, temporarily mm -hmm. it does work to numb the pain. So pain, you know, emotional pain, and that's an umbrella emotion. Obviously there's all kinds of things we can feel pain about, but certainly betrayal is a big one, right? Um, the E in PEP stands for escape. And so oftentimes when we, we, we tend to be, you know, worrying and fearful and just feeling like not good about ourselves. We can escape that feeling um, of fear and worry through food. And um, this is a big one, I think, especially again, you know, in this, this day and age when there's, there's a lot of things happening, even just in our world, pandemic wise, you know, you can walk out the door and die, you know, like that's pretty scary. That's a scary reality that we just are trying to escape from. And I think that's why the pandemic brought up so much emotional eating for people. Mm. Um, but escape's a big one. You know, when you have emotions that you haven't really figured out yet, you just want to, you want to run away. You know, yeah. you want to run away from the reality that you're in, mm -hmm. you know, and food is an amazing way to do that. Again, it doesn't last long, you know, so you have to keep running. If you start, if you use that as a way to escape, you're going to have to keep doing it because it only lasts, you know, four or five hours. 
Um, the last P in PEP is uh, punishment. And we use food when we feel guilty, okay? And if this is not, this is not necessarily a conscious thought or feeling, um, it can be subconscious, but when we're blaming ourselves, maybe we're blaming ourselves for the betrayal. You know, maybe we have guilty feelings about ways that we push somebody away. You know, there's a lot of different things that we feel guilty about, things that we've said that we, mm -hmm. we wish we could take back. You know, instead of dealing with those um, situations, we often will just beat ourselves up, you know, and food is a great way to beat ourselves up. You know, you just sit and you yeah. eat and people don't think of it. They mostly think of food as a reward, but if you eat and then you overeat and go too far and you feel sick and stuffed and you don't want to, you know, see anybody the next day, you pull the curtains and you lay in your bed, that's not really a reward. Like that's more of a punishment. And so it really does beg the question, like, what am I, what am I trying to hurt myself over? And so that pain, the fear and the guilt, yeah. you know, using food as a painkiller and escape and a punishment, that's the pep test. And I think that's kind of a good way for people to start kind of digging into what's really going on with me. Why do I keep like looking for more chips to munch on? Wow. It's so interesting, you know, and, and it really, it just explains, I mean, food and, and emotions are so intertwined. It's like, we can hardly tell the difference, but we're, if we take a look at why we're doing yeah. it, why we're using food in that way, it's very telling. You know, I remember having a client years ago, morbidly obese. I mean, she could barely fit through the door. And I remember asking her, why? And she said, I eat so I don't feel because I don't want to feel totally. because I don't want to cry because if I start crying, I'll never stop. Completely. Absolutely. I just got an email literally that said, just, that said that this morning from somebody yeah. who took my quiz. So I, yeah, that's the deal. And you know, when we choose to eat, we are choosing to eat instead of feeling, you know, when it's not mealtime, you know, it's, we're, we're using it to drown out those feelings. And so, you know, it can work here and there, but you know, as a, as a coping tool ongoing, not a good tool. Cause then yeah. not only, you know, have we not dealt with those feelings that are still in there, but then we've put a whole bunch of other feelings, which is like self-hatred, self-condemnation, you know, literally physically breaking down, you know, because we're eating, you know, unhealthy foods. So there's definitely a better way. And so I can see here we are, we're emotionally eating and then we're gaining all this weight and then we're not happy with it. So then from there we say, well, that's it. I'm going to just completely restrict myself and diet. And, and, you know, you know, so many diets fail. Why? Tell us what's going on with that. Yeah, well, the thing is, is, you know, we're focusing on the symptom, you know, and not the real problem. Overweight is a symptom of overeating and overeating is a symptom of what's eating me. So that's where we need to go if we want long-term success. Sure, you can diet and shed some pounds, but they'll be back in an instant, you know, because we haven't dealt with why we gained it in the first place. You know, it's really not logical when you think about it. I mean, on the surface, it's like, let me attack it at the weight level. Let me you know, do a bunch of running, let me do a bunch of restricting and boom, I'm going to be the body, you know, at the body I want to be. But you know, those, again, the painkiller, the escape and the punishment, those foods are serving us. And if you don't find a new way to deal with that pain, that fear and that guilt, you'll be running for cover in food again. It's an amazing tool, you know, in terms of helping us evade our feelings but we've you know we got to deal with it we have to deal yeah. with it and the thing is we don't want to run forever like we can't be always running from our feelings or from our reality like we have to stop and face it you know fear is 
like a boogeyman, you know, or a bully, you know, fear is really a bully. And it's, you know, we think, oh my God, this grief is so great. I'll never be able to face it, or I'll never be able to feel these feelings or the angry feelings, whatever, you know, the sadness. But the thing is, if we stop and face it, just like a bully, you know, a bully will chase you home from school every single day of your life, but you have to stop at some point and pop them in the mouth and he'll never chase you again. <laughs> you know, yeah, he'll be like, yeah. whoa, I'm not going to, you know, I'm barking up the wrong tree here. So in this truth, fear, like we have to stop and face it, you know, with the right tools, you can't do it alone. Don't do these things alone. You know, you got to do it with the right tools. But if you do, it's never as bad as we perceive it to be. Like it will get better and those feelings will subside. And especially if we have healthy ways to deal with them instead of just stuffing them with food. And that's why the work you do is so profound and so needed in the world because when we do face it, we do need that kind of support. What are some things, give us some examples of what people have discovered, like the reasons why they're emotionally eating when they, when they are willing to take a look in our community, we say, face it, feel it, heal it. So when they do face it and feel it and heal it, what's behind it? What are some of the things you've come across? Well, what I've done in my research over the past 30 years is identified uh, something which I call the anatomy of the emotional eater. And these are 24 personality traits that make up the emotional eaters personality. And what's really important about this is again, instead of looking at the symptom of food and weight, we look at kind of how we got into this problem in the first place. And that's the only place to go. You got to, you know, if you really want to end it for good, you're going to have to get to the root cause. And it's never one thing. Like people think, oh, it's because my mother left me. Oh, it's because my dad died. Or, you know, we had a, you know, sick parent, whatever. It's never one thing. We always want to get that thing, take care of it and be done with it. What happens though, um, and you know this from your research, but with trauma, you know, what happens, especially as, as children, um, and if anybody, you know, some people, it's situational where they were never an emotional eater until they were, you know, experienced a betrayal, whatever, but usually it happens if somebody has chronic struggles with food and weight, it usually, you know, the trauma happened way back when, when we were children, but it's, but what happens when we experience that, which I did as well, is that we then develop coping tools to deal with that. So when we have an alcoholic parent, when we have a raging parent, when we have some kind of abuse that we've experienced, you know, we, we, we kind of, our, our personality changes to, to cope. Mm -hmm. For example, when you have an al alcoholic parent, you become very, like uh, your antenna are up. You're always jockeying to try to please people because you don't want your parent to be angry or raging or whatever or to drink you know to think mm -hmm. as a kid you can keep your kid from you know your parents from drinking or whatever or, or or you know acting out you know so these kids you know when we experience trauma we develop coping skills to deal with that trauma and those coping skills kind of, you know, they work as a kid. They're the only, you know, food worked as a kid. Like, thank God I had food. I, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had that to turn to. But then when we get older, those coping skills no longer serve us as adults. So the people pleasing thing, yeah, might've saved us from getting our butt kicked as a kid, you know, or getting mom's butt kicked or whatever, you know, if you had a raging father. But but the problem is, as a people pleaser, it drives emotional eating. People, pleaser, people pleasing, by the way, is the number one trait of the emotional eater. Wow. So what happens is we're always trying to get our 
yeah, we're always trying to get people around us to be happy with us and pleased with us, partly to control their behavior. And also because we don't, we often don't have a strong sense of self-esteem. And so we're always looking for validation outside of ourselves. And the problem with that, again, like food, it's very short lived. So mm. we can knock ourselves out, like, you know, volunteering for all the committees, you know, hosting the parties, uh, hosting the, you know, whatever, you know, being the ones to spearhead a project, whatever at work. We're always take on, like, taking on that extra work, hoping that, you know, we'll get the Atta girls, you know, and Atta boys. Mm. But it's, you know, first of all, we never, it, we're tired in trying to get it. We knock, you know, we, we, exhaust our adrenals we don't get enough sleep we're overworked but we're also kind of pissed off because nobody's ever as pleased as we expect them to be you know so we're self-pitying and we're like what like did you did you not see what I just did like the the, the big feat I just pulled off and so that combination of being exhausted and resentful and feeling overlooked, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and underappreciated, we go home <laughs> and we have the quote, I deserve it binge, you know? And so it's yeah. like, I'll console myself. Nobody else is recognizing me. I'll recognize myself with this food. And so it just becomes this terrible cycle. But the good news is, is that can be turned around. You know, that's why 98% of all diets fails because, the, you know, the eating is a symptom of how we're living. You know, and I often say it's a living problem, not an eating problem. So we have to look at what these traits are. As I said, there's 24 of them, but um, that's one of the top ones is the people pleasing. But if we stop people pleasing, if we start realizing, you know, I, I'm only going to do as much as I can physically do without hurting myself, without overextending myself, without getting too tired. You know, if we start taking care of our limits, you know, and have boundaries on our time um, and stop trying to be all things to all people guess what? We're going to start being, being more self-respecting. We're going to be feeling better physically because we're not taxing our bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to realize that, you know, we can be lovable without being heroes or sheroes. You know, we can still be amazing people without just doing all, you know, everything. You know, that is such an important concept that you're saying because it is so common. I see this all the time where it's, we so want to feel loved. So we think, well, I'll just do everything humanly possible and more so that I, you know, I get that love back. And, but it's coming from that place of lack. It's coming from, I don't feel lovable. So let me just throw it on so much so that I get the love back. So maybe I believe it. And it's almost yeah. like what you're saying is that it's the self-love that needs to be fed. Because if we feed that, we won't have the need to, to people please and then we won't have the need to reward ourselves because no one else absolutely. recognized all we did it's with the eating. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and, but the good thing about that is that like, if we change ourselves, which is the only people we can change, you know, it's going to make us feel better. Like if we do work on feeling better about ourselves and taking in so much about that is self care. You know, mm -hmm. I'm really all about, you know, teaching my clients about self-care and really putting themselves first, which is a hard concept for a lot of people. But when we do that, it builds our sense of self-worth, you know, and then we're a lot more discerning about the people we hang out with. We're a lot, a lot more discerning about where we spend our time. We only have 24 hours. So who we spend it with and how much of it we spend 
is really important. You know, like it's precious time. Right. And so, so that brings up this. So here we are, we realize we're an emotional eater. We realize, okay, you know what? I, I haven't been treating myself well and, and I really want to treat myself better. I need to be more discerning, like you said. And now that person realizes, oh, you know what? I have that food buddy. You know, that, that person who makes me feel bad. Now, nobody makes me, us feel bad unless we let them, right? But they're like, oh, come on, you're no fun. What's one going to do? That kind of thing. Or, yeah. the, or the relatives, let's say, that, that show their love with food. How do you yeah. handle something like that as you're trying to maneuver this? Yeah, I have a lot of clients like that. You know, when I tell them how destructive sugar is for their bodies, they're like, oh, don't take my sugar away, you know, or I don't want to feel deprived. Like everybody's so afraid to feel deprived, but I'm, but I often say to them, well, let's reframe this. Deprived of what? Deprived of bloating and inflammation and, and all the different things that come with that, you know, deprived of feeling crappy and hating yourself after a sugar binge, you know, deprived of feeling embarrassed and lacking self-confidence, you know, when you go out and the world after being on zoom for so many months you know so what are you really depriving yourself of you know and so it's really true is it's it takes a reframe to realize no 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 this is a gift to myself if i'm not emotionally eating if i'm not eating those foods that end up making me feel bad sure you know i feel good in the moment but not later you know if i'm starting to really tune in and care about how i feel later you know and start acting accordingly you know it's it's it, that's a gift to myself and it's a gift that keeps on giving because that will just, you know, when you do something good for yourself, you feel a little bit better and then you want to do something good for yourself and it just snowballs into a whole new way of living. You know, conversely, when you do something crappy, you know, like you let go of one of your things that make you feel good, like you stop going for a walk in the morning all of a sudden you don't want to get out of bed till 10, you know, all of a sudden you don't want to stop watching TV, TV till two, you know, it's like it snowballs in the converse, you know, direction as well, reverse direction. So, um, you know, I just tell people like, it's really, you know, and obviously Debbie, you can't, you know, people who are, who are emotional eaters, they can't just stop on a dime. So you have to dig under it and you have to get support and you have to do the self care as well. Otherwise it's, you know, it, like a diet, it's going to fail. But, you know, if people, people are emotional eaters and I can, I can share how they can determine where they are on that spectrum I talked about. But, you know, when you get proper support and then you do do that reframe where you realize you're doing something for yourself that's going to make you feel so much better about yourself and it will affect every aspect of your life. You know, the, the number one thing I hear my clients talk about is lack of self-confidence. When they first come mm. to me, the number one trait, you know, or the number one thing that they're really feeling on account of their eating is a lack of self-confidence, you know, they don't be seen, they're wearing black all the time, you know, stretchy pants, um, you know, they don't show up in their work. You know, I mean, this, this problem affects every area of their life. I mean, not just relationships, not just self-esteem, but in their work, they don't go for positions because they're like, who would hire the, the fat girl, you know? And it's right. like, they're, it just, it really weighs on them and it really uh, sucks their energy and their self-esteem. And so, everything in their life is, is affected by it, you know? So it's so, so important that this get addressed and it will improve every area of somebody's life. And what's so interesting is, I mean, your confidence being shattered is one of the number one things that happens with a betrayal. So yes. I so get it. So now here it is, there's the betrayal. Then, okay, maybe you can't keep food down in the beginning, but then you're using food as a way to cope. And then the, you know, the weight's creeping up. So then it's time 
for that raise, but you don't have the confidence to ask because your confidence has been shattered. So it all makes such total and complete sense. But what about, you know, I get it in our community where um, there's a deserving issue, a, a, a sense of, I, I don't deserve, maybe, I, maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not all that great. Maybe I'm not worthy, deserving, lovable. So, you know what? Food's not going to argue. And that's the only thing that could yep. love me back. How do, you, how do you handle that? Because that's something very real that we experience in the community. Yeah. And, and, you know, people often are like, I don't want to give up my best friend. You know, like food seems like your number one supporter. It won't leave you. You know, mm -hmm. it will always be there. Yeah. So dependable, you know. But the problem is, is it, it does turn on us, you know. And I think getting real and honest about, you know, how well it is working you know, how well it is killing that pain. You know, it might be doing it in the moment, but if you feel worse about yourself, you know, is that really helping? And, you know, it, it, I mean, I really teach people a lot of different self-care tools. I call them the six self-care success secrets because these are new tools. Like you can't just stop. You can't let go of your best friend. People say, I don't want to let go of my best friend. I'm like, I, I get it. You know, like it's been doing everything for you. It's your lover. It's your best friend. It's your supporter. It's your protector. You know, it's, it, it blocks for you. You know, it keeps you from having to feel anything. So it does feel like your best friend. You can't just let that go. That's why diets are silly. You can't just cut it out. You have to find new ways to get supported, to get entertained, you know, to feel like somebody's there for you. You have to find that support system, you know, and, and, and in order to let it let go of the support the food's giving you. So you can't do it in a vacuum. You have to find new ways of really supporting yourself. You know, I teach people meditation and, and all different kinds of self-care things that will give them what they were trying to get from food. It will bring their stress down. It will help them feel balanced. It'll help them feel more emotionally balanced, you know? And so they, they stop craving the food because the food is, you know, the, the other tools are now doing for them what they were trying to get the food to, which the food never does, you know, except mm. for only a few hours. So, so it's, it's like, it's a smoother transition, it sounds like. So how does somebody know that they're starting to, to heal? they're starting to not use food as, is it just a physical feeling? Is it mental, emotional? What, what's, the, what's the picture? What does that person look like and experience as they're healing? Well, my clients will talk about, first of all, like they'll, they'll talk, you know, in our group calls, they talk about little self, like we always celebrate, like we celebrate little wins, which are not little at all, but you know, when they feel all triggered by something, you know, like their, their kids aren't getting proper support on, in, on their online school or something, you know, and that's triggering and it just makes you angry or whatever. Um, and then they don't turn to food for that. Like all of a sudden they're realizing I have a more constructive way to deal with that. I can write about it, you know, I can pick up the phone and talk to the administrator. Uh, you know, I have more constructive ways. So there is, there's no longer a knee jerk to go eat anything they feel they just go to the kitchen they're no longer there's a space mm -hmm. like there's a gap between the feeling or the trigger and the the um, moment when they're opening the refrigerator to eat something so there's that moment and then they're they're like wait i can do something else wow and that's a and big moment i i bet and i'm sure it also gives them this amazing sense of control over themselves like wow look what i was able to do yeah 
Yeah, that's wonderful. Totally. It's so freeing when they no longer have, they're no longer compelled to eat. It's a, it's a choice and they choose not to. And, and physically, how do they feel? What's happening? Because I remember with me, when I stopped, because I remember it was like this high and then this horrible crash. And then yeah. what's the only way to pick yourself back up again? So it was this sugar-induced roller coaster ride all day long. And it was totally exhausting. Um, and I remember when I stopped just feeling steady, steadier throughout the day. Is that, is that what someone uh, would experience? Absolutely. Well, Pete, you know, my, my experience is... Um, you know, we're so mean to ourselves, you know, like if we do eat unhealthy foods, we berate ourselves for it. You know, we're so harsh. We're such taskmasters. And so, um, you know, my clients, first of all, are a lot kinder themselves. If they do eat something, they're not like, you know, that, that beating yourself up over eating something unhealthy turns into eating more things that are unhealthy, <laughs> you know? I don't know if that has ever motivated one person berating <laughs> no. themselves. Okay. It does not work. So, um, so they're kind to themselves, you know, it's not, they're not sounding the alarms because they have, they know, you know, when, because I have a step-by-step -step system to stop emotional eating, people, if they do end up overeating, they know what part of that they weren't doing. Mm -hmm. So they've got, they can do some kind of detective work and see, you know, what happened there. Like, oh, I didn't take time for myself this morning. You know, I just rushed and I got on my phone and that's it. I didn't take that you know, I didn't have that morning ritual and take that time to get centered and still and focused, you know, so they, they kind of know what's happening. I also um, teach people something called three meal magic, where you eat three meals with nothing in between, just so you kind of, first of all, your digestion has time to, you know, to do its job in between the meals, but also so you aren't hanging out in the kitchen at all different times of the day. Mm -hmm. Like you have your meal and then you, you kind of, you know, proverbially close the kitchen down, like it's closed, you know, yeah. until lunchtime. And so, and so having boundaries around food like that can be really helpful. You know, I don't get too specific on what diet people should have because most of the time people know what's good for them and what's not, but they can't follow through on what they know. So right. I'm like, just keep it to three meals and don't snack in between. That, snack, that, that elimination of the snacking is going to help you identify those emotions and start using new ways to take care of those emotions. So I, th and I, I find that that's really helpful. And I think it also allows you the opportunity to see, am I am I eating because I'm hungry or I just want something? It gives you that, that time. Trisha, what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? I can't believe how fast this time went. <laughs> so um, I, I would just say if people want to know where they are on the emotional eating spectrum, I have a quiz on my website, which is healyourhunger.com. It's right there. It's an emotional eating quiz and you'll literally get a personalized score. If you take that quiz, you'll find out if you're an emotional eater or a food addict or somewhere in between and then what steps you can take you know, based on your score. So I would say start there. I think that's really important. Plus I have a, a podcast as well, the Heal Your Hunger Show, which you're, you've been a guest on and will be a guest on again. Yep. So, um, so that's really helpful. I think that'll bring up in a lot of support for people regarding their emotions and starting to really identify what the emotions are that they're normally triggered by and start using food to medicate, which is, you know, going to be a thing of the past. Yeah. You heard it here. No one knows this more than Trisha. Where do we go to learn more about you? Would it be the Would it be the podcast and the quiz? Yep, healyourhunger.com. That's a great place to start. Okay, and does it matter? Just one last question. Even if someone has been an emotional eater for decades, is there hope? A ton of hope. Most of the women in my program are in their fifties to seventies. You know, okay. like they're just 
because they, they know it's not about the diet anymore. They've, they've done decades of diets and they're like, wait a minute, I've got to find a new way. And that's when they come to me and they're like, whoa, I had no idea it was possible. Like so many of them are so, like they have a new lease on life, you know, absolutely. Cause they're no longer hitting their head against the wall with the diets and they have a new way of just really changing their whole orientation to food. So it's no longer their go-to anymore for every emotion they have. Perfect. So as far as your freedom, your health, a sense of peace, uh, accomplishment, control, it's all good. You can end your emotional eating. So Trisha, I just want to thank you so much for your wisdom and your insight. I know everybody just got so much out of this episode today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Debbie. I love that question Trisha asked. What am I trying to hurt myself over? Get the answer to that one, and that's a huge first step. Stay in touch with Trisha by going to HealYourHunger.com, and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at ThePBTInstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. P-E-P. The P stands for painkiller, which is what we're going for when we're using food to numb. E stands for escape. What are we trying to escape? P stands for punishment. When we're emotionally eating, we're using food to punish ourselves. Also, I thought it was so interesting that people-pleasing is the number one trait of an emotional eater. Holy moly. Now, years of neglecting your own needs, emotionally eating, and more can definitely leave some symptoms in its wake. So take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best, all online. Nothing like this exists, and I'm so excited to welcome you. Go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.